Ay, ay, ay. What's my audio settings say? No, that was that was a prompt to do a bad impersonation of the movie. Oh. <laughs> it, it says, dude, what about mine? <laughs> Sweet. What is my audio settings? Uh, no. Yeah. We're not yeah. doing that one. No, we're not going to. We're not going to riff and play along and, and do our own version of all the bits from this movie? Uh, bits? That's, that is so generous. <laughs> <laughs> this movie doesn't so much have bits or jokes or uh, scenes. It just kind of has, like, not even, like, premises, just some things. There, there are things in a, in a, in a thing on, on the screen. Mm-hmm. And then there's two guys who kind of, like, giggle and walk around all confused for an hour and a half yeah uh all right so before before we get into the content of the disaster let let us describe the thought process that led to this disaster uh we, we were doing dude sember it's dude sember man yes exactly and what could be more dude sember than dude where's my car um also of things no- are more dudes dude semberish than dude where's my car <laughs> Also of note, uh, I saw this movie with my friends uh, on my birthday when it was, re- well, the weekend it was released. I don't think it was actually the specific day it was released because uh, my birthday is December 17th and this was released December 15th of 2000. So it's my 18th birthday. I saw this. It has been 18 <laughs> years since this movie came out. So it has been as long since I was born and saw the movie as as it has been since I've seen the movie and... and I've seen it now, so mm-hmm. yeah, thir- mm-hmm. thir- thirty-six years. Um, yeah, we we can measure you in "Dude, Where's My Cars." You are officially two "Dude, Where's My Cars." <laughs> no, <laughs> oh my god, that's the worst. It's a new unit of measurement, and if you you know if there's one thing I I am fully on board with, it's new units of measurement. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Man, uh, yeah. Oh, that's that's comforting. That's a comforting thought. Yeah, you know how like a fortnight is two weeks. Dude, a dude wears my car is eighteen years. <laughs> yes, it's like a locust, but one more. Mm-hmm. Wait, are they so, seventeen or are they fourteen? I forget. So would that be uh, a a fort dude or a <laughs> a dude night? I mean, <laughs> um, hmm. Mm. I think I think the car has to be in there somewhere too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll think about that one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so... Uh, this movie is bad. And I don't watch it a whole lot, but uh, it, it it is... You know, it is what it is. It's a thing. It's a yeah, thing I'm that just, exists. Uh, I happen to have the IMDb page open here, and uh, in the section labeled More Like This, uh, because IMDb is all about SEO, It uh, first up, you got Road Trip. You got uh, also Harold also Dumar. with Sean William Scott in it. Uh, also by the same writer, I believe. Road Trip. Uh, Philip oh, no, Starr. No, sorry, Harold no. Kumar is the same writer, not yeah. Road yeah. Trip. Um, Brecken Meyer. Man, remember when Brecken Meyer had a career <laughs> for like five seconds, and then he was on that show where they were like quirky lawyers. I don't remember that at all. Franklin and Bash. Anyway, um, oh. you got Road Trip. You got uh, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. You got American Pie Two, American Pie One. Uh, Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay, and then uh, American Wedding are are the six movies that IMDb says are like this movie. I, I think Road Trip and, and Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle are probably accurate representations of this 
uh, era slash genre of, I don't even want to call this a comedy because it's, I mean, there's like silly stuff happening. It's, it's like the, uh, it's, it's like pie in the face slapstick, but 2000s version and stupid and not really physical. No, this is also this, this checks every box of, uh, being offensive that you could possibly check. Uh, so if and not even in like a not even like a way like they're trying to go after something or like uh, skewer PC culture or something. There's not even any jokes. There's just like stuff there, and you're like, well, that's not a joke or a setup or a thing. You're just like, well, there you go. It's like uh, they're trying to go for some shock, but not shock because it's just the characters aren't even shocked. They're just like, well, okay, yeah. And then it's just in poor taste. Yes, it is. <laughs> that is that is probably the. The key element of this movie is uh, I mean, poor taste. They they set the stage when you've got uh, in the opening scene there, uh, stuttering John of uh, Howard Stern fame uh, walking out of a closet and peeing on a bush or a, a pot oh, of plant or whatever that was. I did not recognize who that was. Yeah, I didn't either uh, initially, and then uh, when when they did the second time around, I was like, oh yeah, that's that's that one guy who was famous for being. Uh, a bit player on a radio show from New York. Yeah, I rem- uh, I was gonna say this movie kind of clues you in earlier than than his appearance, um, in the opening credits, uh, because <laughs> you you get some dancing and stuff in weird CG nebula things, and then you also get uh the ostriches, which are composited uh in the wrong Z space. Uh, so that's glorious and uh you get a a full pink cg dancing cat um which has probably fewer polys than uh most video games in the last 10 years it's like a terrible film school ripoff of the music video for groove is in the heart by delight <laughs> do you remember that music video no i don't i was gonna oh, say it's all like tie-dye and stupid and weird i was gonna say it feels very dave school to me but um uh, sorry, sorry to anybody from Dave School who's listening to this in their dorm oh, right feel, now. I feel like we do. We know some people that went there. I don't think I know anybody that went to Dave School. Um, mm. Maybe we know somebody who went to Full Sail. Maybe I don't know. I th- I feel like both of those. Okay. Well, I feel mm. like Dave School is the worst school. So is Dave an acronym too? Isn't it? Like, is one of those things like digital audio video entertainment? Oh, could be. I just is thought it? there was some guy named Dave. That would be really uh, egocentric, wouldn't it? Digital animation and visual effects school. I was close. So, wait. And visual effects. Oh, so the. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I get it. They just skipped over the ampersand. It's in uh, Florida. So, what are you going to do? Yeah. Orlando. Florida. I don't know why I thought they were uh, like a valley school. No, no, no. Uh, Dave Dave School is in Orlando, uh, as is Full Sail. And uh, my. The, the head of the CG program at Ringling, where I went to school, uh, basically took great pride in skewering them. Um, and we even, it, he would show like reels of stuff that they were submitting to things <laughs> and trash them. Like, I, it's not, I, I would say, not the best practice. Um, but, uh, but, but, but it, it, it was one of those things where he's like, you know, I just want you guys to know that you're getting, your money's worth by coming here as opposed to going to this other place. But I feel like maybe he could have been less 
awful about it. Uh, that that would have been nice. I have guess. You, um, have you been to the Dave School's website recently? I have not. They're uh, they have one of those uh, like massive. Well, it's like the entire screen. It's uh, a video in the header image, uh, and it, it's a guy working in. I want to say 3D Studio Max, and he gets yelled at by his instructor for having a soda on the uh, on his desk, and then he punches in the air, and like a um, like a Mario cube pops out of nowhere, and he sets his drink on that, and that that's what they think is is like funny and cute because it's like a school and there's rules because you can't have soda in the classroom, but also there's there's an effect in it, and this this header image is really terrible. Yeah. You can tell that this comes from a uh, video that's promoting the school that's also... Oh, look, all the students are throwing green screen blankets over each other so they can appear to have disappeared uh, because the teacher just wrote the word quiz on the whiteboard. Oh, my God, I have to close this. Anyway. <laughs> yes, this is a little distracting um, and not entirely the point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, school websites are never great anyways. Uh, if you look at Ringling, it's pretty bad. And the things we thought were funny when we were students were not good either. But uh, <laughs> things we thought we were... We thought were funny. I mean, did you really find this movie funny when you were a student? Did you enjoy seeing I, this in the theater? When I was 18, I thought there were funny parts in this movie. Uh, I ge- genuinely did. Um, and I uh, would like to dropkick my, my self of 18 years ago because <laughs> this, is, this is just awful through and through on every well, I- level. I feel like you should. We, you, we should all cut ourselves a little bit of slack because humor was not particularly sophisticated in this uh, time period. I mean, this is the time period that uh, Jackass rose to fame. Uh, so it's just like I think. I think culturally, we were all pretty dumb. Well, yeah, but I mean, that's still nothing to be proud of. Like, no, it's not. It, I'm just saying, cut yourself a little bit of slack. You don't necessarily need to, you know, yeah, smack yourself upside the head. Well. That wasn't happening, but uh, I I just you know want to underscore that this this movie uh, has a lot of stuff in it that uh, in hindsight with context and knowing about the experiences of others or real world things or life or etc. Um, it makes it all seem really just bad, like mm-hmm. not 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 even like. Uh, uh, because it's one thing to be like, oh, well, you know, there's there's something in there that's a joke that was of the era or something like that. But there's stuff in here where you're just like, that's not even a joke. Like there, like you said, there's no punchline. Like there, there's just like, and here's the thing, and that the thing itself is the joke. In which case, you got to be like, no, that's not. You you go back to the writing room, Philip Stark. You you <laughs> you, you failed a generation, um, right? But by writing the, this. the characters being these sort of like mindless numbskulls walking around being surprised by things because the premise is that they were blackout drunk and don't remember anything so they're basically just wandering through the whole movie going really that happened and whoa that's really crazy and 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 not really able to add any additional context to any of the setups or jokes or whatever you want to call this stuff they're no use in like actually making jokes out of these things they're just sort of standing there giggling and it's like well I, that's kind of like probably where they they started most of these uh like what what's a shocking scene we could write where they're just they're just befuddled standing there letting this wash over them but that's not really an excuse for the fact that there's no uh content or joke or anything there they're yeah. just like wow this is weird and crazy look at that and then they move on it's like okay Congre- congratulations you you wrote 5 pages and it turned into a scene and then nothing happened like I mean the the uh 
the arguing with the uh the 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 Chinese food drive-through lady is like the 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 perfect <sighs> example of what this entire movie is just in a very easy to remember or explain way, I guess. Yeah, okay. That that is one thing where it's just like, you know, this <laughs> not sophisticated here. No. The uh, joke that went on for 4 minutes that is not funny. Like you get it in the first 3 seconds and you're like, "Oh, okay." No, it's it, frustrating. You could but but it's not even it's not even a joke. It's um and as Philip Stark had had said in an interview that I read uh before we did the podcast, <laughs> you um read an interview about this well, movie. No, yeah, I I honestly wanted to know like is this a situation where the writer is like repentant or like, oh, you know, I thought that was funny then and I have uh, evolved as a as an artist over the years. But no, Philip Stark went on to finish out the rest of that 70s show and then be the creator on um, Dog with a Blog. And that that is Philip Stark's career. Um, and so he even mentions in the article about how uh, in, the, in this interview that I read uh, about how he feels like it's important to remember that characters have motivation and that needs to be reflected in the world. And he cites this movie and says that the, uh, that Ashton Kutcher and, and Sean, Sean William Scott's characters are motivated by, uh, the fact that they want to be good boyfriends to their girlfriends. And so that's what makes them tick. And I'm just like, are you kidding me with this right now? Well, I mean, I th- I think they they may literally say that at one point in this movie, like after their girlfriends are actually kidnapped, but um, the, they're motivated by wanting to have sex with their girlfriends. <laughs> That's well, the entirety of their motivation. Not just sex, and with they're their not gr- even good at that either. No, well, not just sex with their girlfriends, but they're also motivated. Okay, so the start of this movie. Uh, we we get the freeze frame with the, the little subtitle like Jesse and explains who that is, and then they name the the chimpanzee on you know Discovery Channel or Animal Planet or whatever he's watching, um, just for humor. Uh, and then they show Chester uh, on the couch, which is Sean William Scott's character, and uh, they 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 have the sequence of them waking up and trying to figure out what their day was. They find all the pudding in the fridge. Uh, there's the guy who pees in the shrub and then goes back into the closet and they spray some aerosol and then they get confused over whose friend that is. Um, and they have answering machine messages from uh, their girlfriends uh, who By are way, twins. I would just like to point out that the uh, I thought he was your friend joke is basically reused in Batman versus Superman to equal effect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but... Uh, and so the 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 girlfriend twins call in, which is also, did we really need that? Um, they call in and they they trade off insults about how their house is ruined and stuff, and how they probably forgot their anniversary, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> they have all the depth of an SNL skit character that lasts three minutes, but they're stretched out over an hour and a half. Yeah, well, that's one of the things that um philip stark had said in this interview was that uh he had a bunch of stoner sketches that he just wanted to put together so you got the stoner dog mm-hmm. you got the peen, peen in the shrub the you got uh drive-through ordering the drive-through ordering yeah totally the uh whatever the horrible strip club scene is um but let's let's go through the rest of this uh in order because i think it's it's important for building the world <laughs> uh, <laughs> they 
Mr. Pizzacoli comes and is knocking on the door and comes inside and they have the pizzas up on the, they throw the pizza that's there up into the ceiling and he threatens them with um uh physical violence in addition to being fired but for some reason they're not fired even though it seems like they're completely within firing distance here uh but uh they slowly th- throw pieces of pizza off to the side as they fall off the ceiling and that is that is your entertaining comedy Mr. Pizzacoli le- uh, leaves, and they finish off the rest of their pizza slice. Then they go outside to uh, find their car, because that's probably where the gifts are that they want to give to their girlfriends. Uh, they can't find the car. And this is, of course, the famous line, uh, dude, where's your car? Where's my car, dude? And they go back and forth on this stuff, uh, because this is... A- and uh, what I didn't realize at the time... Um, Unintentionally, we did this, I guess, in the proper order where the Big Lebowski has the same two lines in it and they have those repeated here in this movie. Uh, I didn't even realize that until I read the IMDb trivia and I was just like, no. Just, I think my mind just doesn't associate these movies <laughs> as being on the same playing field in any, it's, in any uh, regard. It's, it's a fair bit more subtle in the Big Lebowski. But yeah, I don't know that I necessarily realized that, but I did hear it. Uh, when we watched the Big Lebowski last time, when Walter and Donnie were the ones who said it, yeah, and so they go back and forth on that, and then they have this stupid thing of like, oh, we'll flag somebody down to get picked up, and an old lady runs them over, and uh, she calls them effing stoners, uh, and then another family person runs into them, and they actually crash through the part of the the windshield, um, mm-hmm. but then they use that take anyways. Uh, the joke's so nice they did it twice because, you know, the, the only thing better than running over one stoner with your car because you don't like them is running over two stoners with your car because you don't like them. Exactly. And so then they walk and the joke is that they're tired of walking and they haven't even walked very far because we cut back to <laughs> a three-quarter view of their house right behind oh, them. Also, um, at any point in this movie, do they actually get high? I don't think they do. <sighs> They just kind of giggle, and they watch the dog get high, but I don't think that's the same. Yeah. Well, I think that has something to do with the ratings, because I don't think you're allowed to show somebody uh, smoking marijuana for a PG. Think, I guess something, probably right? not allowed PG-13 to show rating. smoking anything, really. Well, no... somehow they got away with a dog doing it, but I think it's because the dog exhales. Um, I don't know. We'll have to consult uh, President Bill Clinton on that one, but uh, the... <laughs> it's, it's, i think it's the inhaling that, that that was the issue in that particular instance but yeah um no but they they went to uh g- guy from office space's house and he has a <laughs> michael bolton <laughs> michael bolton he has he's a pagoda and he talks like yoda um for no particularly good reason uh and uh they play with the obviously puppet dog thing that's there. Very bad puppet. <laughs> it's, it's an incredibly bad puppet. Uh, but uh, that's probably the funniest part of the movie is the really, really bad puppet. But that's not even. The, but the bad puppet isn't even the joke because the bad puppet. Uh, the the whole reason it's there is to show that the dog is appears to be dead, that it's not moving. Um, because I guess I couldn't get the dog to lie still. But um, fun the, IMDb trivia fact: they reused that fake dead dog puppet in uh, uh, John Wick. No, I'm just kidding. That was. <laughs> 
You can't yeah. you, you can't fool me. I, I, I saw that poorly composited dog in John Wick. I know exactly what kind of dog that was. Well they they, they shot a lot of extra um footage for this movie, including the puppet on blue screen in case they needed to create different angles later in post, and some of that unused footage was gifted to the producers of John Wick. Dan. Yes. No. Isn't that a more interesting factoid than anything else about this movie, though? That, that would have been if it were true. <laughs> you don't know that it's not. I do, because I read could, IMDb it, trivia. It could, <laughs> could have been digitally modified. Yeah, no, so I guess that's my improv no and. But um, uh, they, they decide to go get food, so they go to the Chinese food uh, restaurant. Um, and this is where we get into... Hey, wouldn't it be fun if we were kind of racist, uh, kind of stuff? And they they have a really thick accent uh, for the lady for the chi- uh, Chinese drive-through. Are there um, Chinese food drive-throughs? What? Uh, well, I mean, in some places, but I haven't seen one in Los Angeles. Uh, in Tampa, there was one, mm. but now it's a coffee shop, I think. Uh, oh, I mean, Panda Express doesn't count, right? Some of those have drive-throughs, I think. Yeah, I mean. I feel like there are plenty of drive-through any, anything's. It just depends on where you are, but I, I don't know that there are that many drive-through uh, Chinese food restaurants um, mm. that you would find in Southern California. But who knows? I, I assume there was one because they filmed in Southern California, and uh, I doubt that they had the budget to fully realize a building for these purposes uh, of of this. Singular no, they just found any old drive-through and then built that sort of like uh, takeout container box around the microphone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they had, that was the one part they were going to break, uh, and they do. Um, you think they got any spares of those left over, like in the production uh, design office? Maybe. I mean, because you always want to build a spare in case stuff doesn't go right on the first take. You you can't Absolutely. just like stop shooting. Yeah, several of them. Yeah, so maybe Ashton Kutcher has one, but uh, th- this this is just it's so dumb. Like. I don't. I don't get it. Like the whole thing is just the 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 person operating the drive-through saying, and then, and that's it. That's the whole joke. It, it gives the kids something to say uh, on Monday after they saw the movie to let the other people know that they saw the movie too. Get it? Remember that scene? And then, yeah. But uh, anyway, it's, it's not it, a joke. No, it's it's not <laughs> it's a joke. Just stupid. Yeah. And then you're 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 laughing at Ashton Kutcher getting angry and smashing a drive-through. But, yeah, and yeah. then. Uh, they get kicked out of Michael Bolton's car because, uh, well, Sean William Scott accuses Ashton Kutcher of getting kicked out because he uh destroyed the 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 drive-through speaker, and Ashton Kutcher accuses Sean William Scott of getting them kicked out of Michael Bolton's car because uh Sean Sean William Scott called the Dalai Lama uh f-word. Um, so. That's nice. That's checking box number one on the, the homophobic list. But um, then they run into Christy Boner, who is played by <laughs> Christy Swanson, who was at one point uh, an actress that would be in things and is now mainly just a far right uh, troll that you will find on Fox News. Yeah, I didn't realize that. And then I, I was clicking around. I was looking at some stuff. I saw some 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 hats. And I was like, oh. Oh, and I kept scrolling, and it got really weird. I was like, "Oh no, 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 no!" Yeah, it's, it's it gets dark real fast. <laughs> I, um, I missed I missed all of that in real time, <laughs> uh, probably for the best. But uh, huh? Yeah. Sure. I I mean I remember something about it because uh, she pops up every now and then. Whenever you see James Woods, um, she usually 
inserts herself into that. I, I have no idea if it's because uh, she's unemployable that she pursues this, but uh, it, it's that's what she's got going for her these she, days. She's she's just permanently James Woods Jason. That's not a good place to be. <laughs> no, it, it, she just. It, I mean, she basically just like appears on uh, Fox News because she's trolling the the, the liberals about guns and um, uh, whiny liberal women. Um, so that's. Not a mm. career, and then she sometimes, occasionally appears in uh, Hallmark made for TV movies, uh, which also I would I would posit is not a career. But um, sorry, Hallmark <laughs> Channel. <laughs> she is from uh, Mission Viejo, California, apparently. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but anyway, the incredibly deep and rich character of Christy Boner um, is <laughs> there to. Uh, the fact that they even thought that they could get away with naming her that. No, and I also I liked I liked that her name her character is C H R I S T I E Boner, and her real name is K R I S T Y. So that's that's really clever mm-hmm. what they did there. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, so clever. But uh, I mean, the really frustrating thing about this is that uh, in addition to the name, which is like James Bond would not be so 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 gauche uh as to do that but uh th- in addition to the name you have uh her immediately trying to come on to uh both of the, well Ashton Kutcher and talking about how uh how far things went last night and how she was paid to show her uh chest to them um and how you know all the money and stuff and stuff so it makes her not a great human being but uh somehow we're supposed to feel bad for her that she's abused by uh the 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 lesser o'connell charlie o'connell um who appears for stoner bashing time unclear why we feel anything no it's uh she's just um Chekhov's mistreated girlfriend, really, yeah. uh, for n- no reason whatsoever. I mean, it's, <laughs> and, and again, and if the it, character it, motivation is supposed to be that they're good boyfriends, then yeah, exactly. The why? lack of depth here in that uh, after or in addition to trashing their twin girlfriend's house party, that they uh, at least one of them hooked up with Christy Boner, and then uh, it is totally like schoolboy giggly about kind of doing it again the next day in the middle of the road and uh, and feels her up yeah of course exactly yeah right right in the middle of the road and, yeah. and it's just like oh ha ha he, he isn't this funny she's the hottest girl in town and uh look, look what i'm doing uh they're they're five is what they are and then mm-hmm. uh and then you got the uh you know the the aliens in the jumpsuits too so they're they're terrible boyfriends uh all mm-hmm. the all the while saying they should be better Boyfriends, it's all so stupid. Yes, it's incredibly stupid. Uh, and so they get trash cans dumped on them by uh, Charlie and his cohorts, uh, who happen to find matching trash cans to dump on their heads. Uh, yeah. But but it's cool, though, so they low-five each other, because, you know, mm-hmm. boobs. And then they hilariously walk into the extras in the background. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that that guy uh, that guy did look like an O'Connell, so he's actually an O'Connell, huh? Yeah, yeah, he, he's he's Charlie O'Connell, brother to mm. Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, uh, Jerry did a better uh, version of this character in uh, Can't Hardly Wait. Mm. 
He had a little bit of self-awareness in that movie. Yeah. But then they realize that they have uh, the the matchbook thing for yeah. the kitty they, cat they, place. Yeah. They learn they learned that they had briefcase for two hundred thousand dollars in it. So they say, what, what what would we have done if we had a bunch of money? Where would we go? And, of course, the answer for, for these two particular gentlemen is uh, a strip club. Yeah, because they're such good boyfriends. Again, exactly. Um, the character motivation. It's astonishing. But uh, Yeah, they say uh, money uh, doesn't change you. It just really reveals who you were underneath. It's totally this movie. Yes, that's the inner moral message of this movie. Yeah. Money corrupts. Yeah. Uh, it, well, it just it re- it reveals how bad they were the whole time. They really are those guys. Those, feel, they're bad boyfriends. I feel like it's very obvious to everyone except for Wilma and Wanda that they are bad boyfriends. <laughs> but they, you know, uh, I'm, not, I'm not even certain Wilma and Wanda aren't like robots. Yeah, that, it wouldn't be outside the realm of uh, the reality of this movie. No, that it certainly would not. Uh, it would be completely believable. But they they go to the strip club, and uh, everybody recognizes them. They were big spenders last night. Uh, I don't know why the people there in the morning shift are the same as the people who were there in the night shift, but apparently uh, they are, or word gets through the grapevine. But um, It's the holidays. Everyone's pulling doubles. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah, and then there is (laughs) the... And then, did you intend to do that? Uh, not initially, but uh, then there is the the uh, uh, there there is a tr- a trans stripper who is a uh a woman actress um who is cisgender uh who is wearing a package in her shorts uh to creep out Ashton Kutcher so that he can freak out and react to that uh and her dubbed voice that is uh, a little deep. This is another one of those things that it's not a joke. The characters aren't necessarily like doing anything. Like he's surprised because obviously he doesn't remember anything. Uh, but then from the, then on in the movie, they're just kind of like, well, it's this lady who wants her money, but awkward. Yes. And then th- there's 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 nothing there. So it's like, why is this here? Uh, it's just for that initial shock value, and then. N- Nothing else. Again. Yeah. And and the whole joke is, how crazy is it that I kissed a trans stripper? Um, which is not really a joke either. So the whole the, yeah, the whole yeah. joke of most of the stuff in this movie is like one character just like nudging the other one with an elbow and going, Get a load of this. Mm-hmm. That's that's basically everything that they do in this movie. It's like, well that's not a joke. It's not a commentary. It's not really anything. So, what are you doing here, Mister Writer? Because <laughs> it's not writing necessarily. Nor is it wokeness. Um, but no. <sighs> Meanwhile, outside in the uh, main area, um, Sean William Scott is treated to everybody at the strip club pouring a pitcher of water over their chests in their shirts for. Some sort I guess of what that is thing. the uh, yeah. I guess that's the writer uh, d- doing the writing. Is is the juxtaposition of uh, Sean William Scott having having the time of his life while Ashton Kutcher uh, didn't know what he was getting himself into and is not having a great time. So that's that's I guess the depth of your your commentary here. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't, I don't, I don't understand the point of any of it. No. 
No. Also, also uh, they were given money to hang on to. Yeah. For some reason. Not sure why they were trustworthy or, or why the stripper had the money in the briefcase while working. Seems like a real question mark. Yeah. There, there are a few of those. Mm-hmm. But you just brush past it because, you know, you're in a strip club and uh, people are being naughty and having fun and stuff. So, you know, I think they assumed that uh, during this scene, uh, most of the viewers of the movie would not have the blood in their brain. <sighs> yeah. Um. So <laughs> they. Uh, Ashton Kutcher freaks out and goes out and gets Sean William Scott and takes him out of the place. Um. Uh, by literally picking him up and putting him over his shoulders. Uh, and uh, this is when they run into... Who, who do they run into here? Is it the... Uh, this is... Uh, it's this is. They have to make their way over to the, the, the new outfits. I thought, it would, I thought they'd go to the twins first. Mm. To ruin their place with the garbage. I thought they already did the ruining with the garbage. Maybe maybe this is when they ruined with the garbage. Anyway, we don't remember the details of this terrifically intricate plot, but um <laughs> the the girls kind of break up with them and uh, get garbage all over the house and stuff yeah. and then and then they have to uh I don't know, they find their they find themselves at a tailor's uh shop where mm-hmm. the, the guy made custom uh Adidas tracksuits with special pockets. And also filled the pockets with uh, items that they provided, apparently. Like yeah. a kaleidoscope and a Rubik's Cube and uh, a lease for a Mercedes, which is nice. I don't know why they decided to put that in the, the jacket. I'm not sure why they leased, but uh, I mean, because it really didn't seem like a good deal. Uh, Can you especially... pay for a lease up front? Can you pay for all three like years up front? Mm, no, then you're just buying the car, Dan. Well, just for three years. <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't know. Is it really any different than just like a, a large down payment? I guess. Uh, but I, I <laughs> they could have. I don't know. It's, it doesn't seem like they should really hold on to that. But by the logic of the time rewinding at the end of this movie, I guess they don't. Um, yeah. But the. Uh, I they, mean, the, the SL class isn't really. It's, it depreciates pretty bad these days. It's not in great shape. <laughs> no. But I mean, the important part of this is this is, I think, perhaps the funniest scene in the movie um on on whatever scale we choose to draft for this film um you're talking about pulling up next to fabio no 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 i'm talking about uh, the the tattoos oh well <laughs> is it is it the funniest or is it just the most memorable i mean i think it is the funniest and most memorable i can't think of anything else in here that is funnier than this mm so and and what, I what say, about when they do this scene a second time at the very end of the movie? No, the, that's that's substantially worse. But uh, I mean, what if we did this joke entirely as voiceover as we drove off into the sunset? But uh, so anyway, uh, this is where we get uh, the dude suite, the the uh, lowbrow Abbott and Costello of of this. <laughs> the dudes yes. on first, suites on second, um, and this is so incredibly dumb that uh you, you you might be like why would anyone write this but for some reason when you watch them emphatically acting this out you're 
can't help but at least crack a smile oh it's because they actually have the uh the guts to like literally like go at each other's throats because they're so dumb they don't understand what the hell is happening yes and the tailor um helpfully points out uh that they are they are both idiots and that uh his tattoo says dude and his tattoo says sweet and that resolves that issue uh but like you said in the end credits they they have that when they're driving off uh, yeah, because they they had their minds erased by rewinding time. Yeah, sort of. Sort of. They have they have a vague inclination that something is up because they're they're having a little deja vu with uh, with stuttering John Pian on the plant again. Yeah, and uh, so they go into the cars, and this is where we get the Fabio scene that you alluded to. Fabio's in a car with uh, a lady friend person mm. of some variety and they are smooshing uh yeah, they're, and, they're uh they're 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 comparing each other's cars i'm doing air quotes with my hands they're revving engines yeah putting arms around the passengers and then uh fabio makes out with his passenger and uh ashton uh makes out with sean william scott for a minute to just to say like anything you can do we can do too and then fabio's like these guys are weird drives away yeah but it's not even not a- wrong I know, but it's not even a... They don't make out. They, like... Like, as soon as their lips touch, it, like, cuts. <laughs> uh, There's a little bit more than that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. But not enough for my slash fiction uh, DeviantArt page. But uh, mm. the... the This it was a little little weird. But obviously, they don't think it's weird because uh, in the movie terms, they're, they're showing up uh, Fabio on this. Um, supposedly, according to the the writer director uh, uh writer or director don't remember who um they tried to get fabio to get hit with a goose on his way out <laughs> when he's driving because of how fabio got hit with a goose one time um but fabio refused to film it so well, they then did they'd not. basically be turning this into any of those like scary movies where it's just all like pop culture references to minor celebrity things that you don't remember a year after it happened yeah yeah, like uh, uh, and David uh, Kate, who did the music, the original music for this, um, what little there is, um, he actually worked on the scary movies, uh, for for their original music, what little there is. So mm. that that's well, your connection to scene, that. You've just reminded me. This particular scene is the one where they're they're bumping some old school Good Charlotte, which uh, mm. not, nothing uh, in this movie is as timeless, I think, as. Uh, the musical stylings of Good Charlotte. No, well, otherwise they would be called Bad Charlotte. Um, so, so this, it's right there in the name, Dan. I, I, I bet you, if you Googled right now, there would be no less than two dozen uh, a- amateur music reviewers who who have written articles uh, entitled Bad Charlotte. More, more uh, Good Charlotte, more like Bad Charlotte. Am I right? And the, the yeah, <laughs> yes, I am right. Reader. Yeah. Thank you for commenting <laughs> and uh, confirming for me. No, but, uh, uh, bleh. And, and uh, well, there's really no point to this. And they see the, we, we get a cut to the Chinese food sign, but then nothing about that. And then we cut back to other stuff. Um, it was just a weird, weird editing choice. But, uh, they, uh, are going to the police to find their car. And, uh, have we met the Swedish guys yet? I feel like we met the Swedish guys. Oh, maybe, yeah. Nord Nordic, aliens. Random Scandinavian guys in leather yeah. outfits. 
Yeah, with so tiny sunglasses. Yeah, they're they're there. Um, and uh, but I thought they met them at the, the police station, but maybe they met them earlier. And they, they also well, met. They're, they're at the police station definitely because they're like hiding behind a police car. Is the second time they run into him, and he's like, "All right, fine, I'll tell you where." The thing is, and then they send him to the, the Chinese restaurant and have, have them talk to the taped up box. Yeah. Also, they run into the sexy alien ladies um, who... Oh, right. That's on the curb, kind of by the car or something. Yeah. And they, they uh, do the popsicle thing. Um, the plastic popsicle that was just very clearly a fake popsicle. Well, the important thing is that you know that a popsicle was put somewhere and then an editing cut it occurred and it, uh, an empty popsicle stick came out so that that's that's the important part apparently yeah Again, so this i mean the important I, motivation for these characters is that they're well they want to be good boyfriends right yeah uh you know there's nothing that says you're not a good boyfriend if you if you giggle at the uh seductive consumption of popsicles from random strangers on the sidewalk um I mean, like, how how stoked do you think the writer was at this point in the movie where he's like, you think this is just a movie about two guys that got really, like, blackout drunk and high and then, like, ruined their girlfriend's party? But really, this is about aliens and the future of the universe. And this is where it really takes its pivot and, like, really ratchets it up a notch. And, and then all of us are watching, like, what? Like, our tenuous grip on whatever this was is completely slipping away right here. Well, I feel like the premise you could do, like there would be something funny in not remembering that you encountered aliens uh, because you were blackout wasted on something and trying to piece together the events of the night before. Like the premise is okay. The problem is this is written like trash. So <laughs> there's, I think I think we can tell pretty quickly that. Uh... The, the the jumpsuit ladies are aliens because they, they keep saying things like we are regular human women or whatever the hell they keep yeah, saying. Yeah, and they stand um, in formation. Yeah, but the at no point, like, I mean, the characters don't know anything about aliens, really, until the uh, the end scene at the, at the putt-putt place, right? Yeah, I mean... There's who no could... acknowledgement of what's actually occurring until then. Well... There, I guess you got you got the bubble wrap guys saying there's aliens and stuff, and you got to yeah. find us the continuum transfunctioner. Yeah, well, we as the audience observe that these people are behaving strangely and that they might be aliens uh, based on the strange behavior. But in terms of what Jesse and Chester notice, n- nothing. Like even in the end scene, I don't know if they really understand and believe that there are aliens there um, until the very final moments of this. Because uh, they, they just don't seem to be observant in normal human ways, even though they're technically sober. Uh, but the we get uh, the police taking them when the uh, the trans stripper confronts them again about the money, um, and they think that they're the police are coming for the trans uh, stripper who took all the money, but instead they're coming for them and they're hauled off to. Uh, the the interrogation room uh, where there is a good cop and a bad cop and the bad cop is um, messing up a, a a dummy off to the side rather than either one of them. And at first, this scene is not funny and it is incredibly stupid uh, because you're yeah. like, why do why does any of this this matter? Like th- this is so broad and ridiculous. But then 
Sean William Scott sells it on his reaction to the dummy. Don't hurt him. He doesn't know anything. Which, <laughs> which, which does make I feel like even the most cynical person laugh because that that is just that's commitment to something that is just yeah far yeah. out and there. I'll, it's stupid. <laughs> and then on the way out, he basically tells the dummy to you know stay strong or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, uh, Charlie uh, Connell, um, he. And Christy are at a table at a restaurant, and the uh, sexy alien ladies wander in, and they want to know stuff about Jesse and Chester. And so they say that they know where they could find them to uh, to really screw them up, and they're going to send them to where the twins are uh, to to mess up the situation. Um, This must be a really small town for, for Charlie to really know where Jesse and Chester's girlfriends are at any given time. Yes, the greater Los Angeles area is incredibly small, but uh the you know, it's just a little uh, it's a little a little small town with a little uh downtown main street there uh with a tailor and a drive-through Chinese restaurant. That's about all they have there. Not, a little putt-putt place. I'm not sure, but I think it's Burbank, but uh they 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 send them over there and we're like, "Oh, well, this will be harmless." Uh then we dissolve to the fact that they volunteer at uh, a camp for um, a, a school for uh, blind children. And this is the joke, apparently. Um, and on top of that, the joke is that uh, there is a kid trying to hit a T-ball that has a sound ac- activated thing, but then he hits a camp counselor in the uh, junk and he falls over. So that lets you know the incredible level of humor that this is written on. Uh, and then we have, I, I got to stop saying that. Then, then we have the, <laughs> this is really hard because I would just say, and then like in a normal context, but because of this movie, I, I'm trying to yeah. say that. Uh, yeah. But uh, then we have the, uh, the other kid who was approached by the sexy alien women um and uh he's more of a teen and so he says he needs to touch their face in order to see if they are incredibly hot alien uh women and so he touches their face uh touches the lead one's face and then down into the chest and etc and then he says this is how blind people shake hands um so check that ableist box on your form um and- yeah, the, the writer was just like uh blind kids got it uh we got time for two jokes uh baseball back to the nuts and uh touching alien boobs uh and like the alien going is this normal is this how humans interact because we don't know because we're aliens and then that's that's it then the aliens you know say like three words to uh the twins just just to let the twins know that they are looking for jesse and chester just sort of you know oh ruin their day or whatever yeah, and this makes the twins jealous. Um, and uh, one, they they want to break up with Jesse and Chester, so they drive to Jesse and Chester's place where they happen to be and break up with them and storm out. We've uh, also we've also brushed past uh, one minor thing that I want to make sure we clarify. Uh, on their way out of the police station, uh, we have we have a police officer with really thick glasses who apologizes for Rick. misidentifying them. Uh, uh, because you know, sorry, my bad, mistaken identity. 
Those over there are the people who uh, really committed the crime, and it's a like a giant bodybuilder uh, and, and a little person. And it's like, oh, how funny is that? We don't look anything like that. And then, and then the guy who can't see says that he, he has their car, but it was impounded accidentally because he's blind, and he hit the he hit the impound button on the keyboard, and it instantly impounded it instead of releasing it. Uh, so then they got to go get the car out of the impound. Yeah, and then the scene keeps going with, oh, Rick. And they he gives them donuts, and they have donuts. And they psych. And Sean William Scott just, like, shoves a donut in his mouth, and then it's all over his face. And at that point, I'm sure everyone on set was just, like, crying with laughter, and they're like, all right, now we got to cut it when Sean William Scott is covered in chocolate donut, because that's our, that's our out point in the scene. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love chocolate donut continuity? But uh, they maintain that for when he goes outside later. Uh Oh, is there donut continuity? I didn't even bother <laughs> There's, caring. Th- this is a movie that is executed so incredibly poorly in every other way, but for some reason, they made <laughs> sure to have the icing on his face still. <laughs> they when... probably shot this movie in sequence just because, like, why not? Well, I think they shot this in, like, half a month. Uh, yeah, uh, filming took place from June 12th until August 1st. <laughs> It, it it almost makes you wonder how they took that much time to shoot this movie. <laughs> I mean, Ed Ed Wood would look at this and be like, "Wow, you guys are you guys are bold." Uh, but I could uh, I could crank this out in a week. <laughs> but would you ma- be able to maintain this level of quality, Dan? <laughs> the nuance in the performances. You, you know, okay, give me a week and a half to have uh, a VFX soup on set. You know, just capturing some HDRs and some some lidar data just to, so I can make sure. Our composites match up when we do the, uh, you know, the 50-foot tall woman thing. Well, I think this movie lets us know that that doesn't matter. Uh, but <laughs> the, 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 they, uh, they, outside of the police station, they uh, meet the uh, Nordic alien guys again. And uh, they exchange stuff about the continuum transfunctioner and this whole entire time. Sean William Scott has been playing with the Rubik's Cube that he found inside of his uh, jacket that was tailored. Um, but they lie and say that it's over at some other place, and then they get out of there. Uh, and they are abducted by Zoltan at this point, Zoltan's minions. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're taken to uh, Zoltan's parents' house, barn. barn. Um, and uh, the the joke there is that Zoltan is a huge nerd, who has a cult following, but he has rich parents, so he has a barn where he can house his cult. Um, he's got he's got the bubble wrap suits. Mm-hmm. Those they, are kind of funny. I think I think they the play other, the bubble bunch. It's not even a joke, but I think the other thing that makes me laugh is like later on when they see him and Sean William Scott keeps poking the one guy and popping his his bubbles and he goes, "Stop! These things are expensive!" and he keeps poking him. That makes me laugh a little bit. The the one bubble suit joke that i have in this whole entire movie is when hal sparks says he got the call from them and then they all lean forward one at a time in sequence <laughs> and you hear the the little bubbles pop that's the only joke it's <laughs> the only joke the rest of it's bu- so dumb the bubbles popping yeah it's, yeah it's well, cause, just because they do it in sequence uh but the uh, but back to this they're abducted um and uh there's a dream sequence and stuff and they wake up uh and they knock out uh i think a kid from salute your shorts uh who is there and some other guy who is a character actor from other things i don't remember um and they take their their suits their as such as they are and then they go to 
the meeting while they're trying to escape. Uh, and uh, we are introduced to Zoltan, who is Hal Sparks, who is most famous for Talk Soup and for uh, uh, Queer as Folk, uh, the Canadian-American version. Um, and uh, Hal Sparks is is really putting in his all here, such as it is. Um, <laughs> his all is pretty similar to his everything else, but yes. Yeah, I mean, he's... He, He's 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 at least I don't know he's, he seems like he's trying because uh, he he goes full he goes full short stature Tony Robbins as he comes down the stairs um, and over to the the pavilion thing where he like runs down the stairs with his hands up <laughs> yeah just a little jog yeah, yeah. exactly it's, perfect it, yeah he he really has this this whole cult thing down um, but he he says that they've been intercepting interstellar transmissions about the continuum transducer thingy and that uh they abducted wanda and wilma um and they're gagged by bubble wrap of course um and that uh they don't like resorting to violence but they will for these purposes uh which is you know they got to save the universe man the continuum transfunctioner could destroy the whole universe like it's it's amazing how nobody knows anything about the continuum transfunctioner until somebody until they accidentally set it off and they're like well when those dots go away the the universe is going to explode No, but their goal is not to save the universe their goal is to travel through space right to go hang out with uh super cool aliens who really like them yes because they're all nerds they're all horrible nerds um but the and 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 one of the the chief zoltan people who speaks uh he he's he's in uh the guild uh felicia day's little web series that she did a while ago um so he's recognizable from that for anybody listening but uh they i've heard of that yeah i mean it's it's kind of funny uh but the uh but only if you played like world of warcraft and were like world of warcraft is dumb and then got out of that um not that anyone did that on this podcast but uh i, I skipped right to the second part world of warcraft is dumb yeah. Well, look at you, Mr. Fancy Pants. <laughs> uh, but the uh, they 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 threaten violence uh, so that they can travel the stars. Um, they they will kill them, and so they leave and they go to the impound lady who has the paperwork. Um, but she's not going to give it to him because of a a thing on a form somewhere, and so she goes off to talk to her boss, and it's on the counter. So Sean William Scott. Uh, is talked into reaching underneath the thing and his arm gets stuck and they try to split on it to get it out of there and then she comes back and says good news uh, my boss said I could give it to you bad news is I have to confiscate your pinky because he violated the rule that uh, nobody reaches on that side the divider yeah and uh, the problem here is that uh, when it was accidentally impounded by hitting the wrong button on the keyboard uh, it was in the time it took them to get from the police station down to the impound it was sold at auction that very day it's a very efficient impound auction system they have there. I mean, people talk about how government doesn't work, but look at this. I mean, Let's just look at this look movie. at that efficiency. That is just that is money right back into the taxpayer's pocket uh, in less than a day. Yeah, and it's it's all in support of law enforcement. So I yeah. mean, that's that's really one of the central tenets of this film. But they get the the address and they go over there. I was going to make a blue cars matter joke, but I don't think that works. No, let's not do that at all. <laughs> um, they they go over to uh, the person who bought the thing, and the the that is a bunch of tr- no trespassing signs and stuff. Uh, and we get the ostriches here, uh, which we saw teased in the opening credits. 
You know, I, if it's one thing I know about Los Angeles County, it is just lousy with ostrich farms. Um, well, I think it's more of an Ojai thing. Oh, right. Is that what you think? Yeah. Well, uh, there was, uh, when my aunt lived in Ojai, uh, a block up the street from her was a house where they had a, an enormous fence yard and, uh, I think three emus. Um, but mm. anyway, people, people are weird. Uh, no, I think, I think now that you mentioned it, I think there's a place around here where somebody has, I know there's a place where somebody has a llama and some various sheep and things. They might have, uh, an emu. Yeah. So, well, part of the joke is that Ashton Kutcher misidentifies them as llamas. Um, uh, they are, of course, ostriches, uh, and, uh, they are pursued Jurassic Park style by them into a car. Yeah. But luckily, Sean William Scott watches a lot of Animal Planet, so that, that comes back to help a little yeah. bit later. And then a puppet ostrich sticks its head through the roof of the car and knocks them out. Yeah, headbutts them. Mm-hmm. And and this time, instead of having a dream about uh, the alien woman <sighs> offering to uh, perform certain things for him, it is the ostrich, and he wakes up screaming. Uh, and he's inside of a cage, and uh, they're, they, him and Ashton Kutcher are there, uh, trapped. And there's a cage next to them, and it has Andy Dick in it, which is never a good sign. Uh, and they, they, they ask him about stuff and he says that he's been caught there and that Pierre hates poachers and you know, that that's the one thing he can't abide. And then there's a bunch of stuff about like, maybe there's something sexual going on here that doesn't really seem above the board. Um, and also the level of Andy Dick's interest seems to, to grow and wane. Um, but, uh, Pierre walks in and it's Brent Spiner from Star Trek, uh, uh most famous for playing. Lieutenant Commander Data for many years. Um, although Andy Dick was in Star Trek Voyager at this point in his career, because that was a 1998 episode yeah, called Message that. in the Bottle. Yes, he was. He, play, <laughs> he played the Mark II emergency medical hologram in Star Trek Voyager Message in a Bottle. Uh, where Is there no property that Andy Dick has not tarnished with his presence? No, he penetrates everything. Uh, but he... <laughs> He I'm not even going to type that in as a title suggestion. No, please don't. Uh but he's he's not he's not employable. Um and w- what's really sad about that is that people kept trying to employ him for a long time um in things and he would do stuff that would require him being removed from the set. Uh so mm-hmm. not good. He's he's like he's not a good human being. Um in in all other regards, he seems to have uh, some abuse, substance abuse problems, um, and uh, not a lot of consideration for other people's personal space. Uh, let's just say that um, the, the groping and the licking, especially. But uh, anyway, Andy Dick um, is in this, and uh, he he's talking about how he would not like to be hosed down, but maybe later. And uh, Pierre. Um, gives them the Monty Python riddle of uh, how fast is uh, an African ostrich uh, instead of how fast is... Average airspeed of an unladen yeah. swallow. Yeah, yeah, the, that, that old chestnut. Um, so they they riff on that, and uh, they answer because Chester remembers from Animal Planet or Discovery Channel or whatever, and so they get let out of the cage, and Pierre is suddenly incredibly cooperative um, and will even take them to their car. They get to the garage, and it is empty, and he says, oh, sorry, guys. Uh, and they're pretty sad about that. 
Impounded, sold, stolen, all in the course of a single day. Amazing. Yeah. But then I forget. That's how... what they call life in the fast lane when you're living in the big city of Los Angeles. A New York <laughs> minute, man. Your car's gone. Wouldn't that be a Los Angeles minute? I mean, they already established the, the, what, the What is minute. the conversion rate on New York minutes to Los Angeles minutes? I think it, I think it's still the same length. It's just three hours later. Zing. Um, so, uh, I don't even remember what happens after this, where uh, the car has yeah. been stolen and they somehow wind up at the mini golf place. Right. Oh, he said, uh, he says, was there anything in the car when you bought it? He said nothing except this, and he hands him a, a locker key to the mini golf place. Oh, that's right. Um, so, they go to the mini golf place, uh, which is also an arcade that is indoors um, for budget reasons. And they are they find the locker they open it up and it's the suitcase full of money and they are accosted again by uh the the trans stripper from before and her girlfriend uh, sorry her boyfriend patty um who is again a cisgender woman in uh male drag with a makeup goatee on um sort of gomez adams style uh and they they get the money and there's kissing and stuff and then they leave and uh ashton kutcher asked john william scott if it's gross that they're turned on by that um so that's nice that's a again checking those boxes on that super woke amazing list but uh but yeah and they're also just again they're just there he's like should we look away he's like i don't know like well you're just you're just not gonna pick a side you're just gonna stand there and stare and be weird thanks no, they're, they're super poorly written. Um, but they have all the tickets. And since they know that nobody really knows what the Continuum Transducer looks like, they're going to trade those tickets in for one of the little dually bob things behind the counter so that they can trade that off as, as the thing. And they call Hal Sparks and invite him over so they can give him the stuff. And uh, they do, and they get Wanda Woma back. Um, and Charlie O'Connell shows up. And uh, he steals the thing from Hal Sparks because Hal Sparks is a nerd. And then he does like a, I don't know, purple nurple or something to the <laughs> other guy in the bubble wrap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the the alien chicks show up and they're there. They want the thing too. And so now everybody's been released. Nelson's been released. Uh, the girlfriends are released. And uh the nordic guys show up and say that's not the continuum transducer um which doesn't help anyone they could have just kept their mouth shut uh but for some reason sean william scott has been fiddling with this rubik's cube um for no particular reason in a high stakes uh hostage negotiation and it triggers finally and turns into he's addicted he just can't help it he just really wants to solve that rubik's cube and he does he's getting better at it and it turns into horrible cgi um and swirls around with volume light things and whatever and smears everywhere and the eyeline is wrong for when the thing lands his hand and uh it doesn't track with his hand movement and he moves his hand down and it stays in midair before the camera cut um anyway it's bad still less bad than the rest of the movie yeah and so then it reveals that it's um some prop that probably cost them 18 dollars to make uh and it's uh, basically like a big silver ball with some lights on it. And uh, they 
have accidentally triggered it, and the Nordic aliens say that uh, when uh, that it, this is a bad thing, the universe will be destroyed, and Hal Sparks says that uh, the things will count down from five to zero, and then it'll destroy the entire universe because they've intercepted alien transmissions, so they know that, and uh, so they're trying to figure out what to do. Uh, do they give it to the Nordic guys or do they give it to the hot alien chicks? Uh, it seems like such a conundrum. Um, and they, in the end, uh, ask, uh, what, what was the score last night uh, for the the golf tournament? Something that they don't remember themselves. And the Nordic alien guys say it was a hole in one. Uh, and this is when they're like, aha, so you figured it out. And they hand them the thing, they diffuse it. The girlfriends ask, how did you know that? And they say, oh, well, that's because we won this lifetime supply of pudding on this banner behind us. Uh, and that's that's the reason why we needed to do that. And they're like, oh, you guys are so smart. You had a plan. It's like, that's generous, Jennifer Garner. Um, but <laughs> they... <laughs> they oh, Jennifer Garner, boy. Uh, man. She's, she's come a long way from this movie to, you know... Capital, Capital One. One. Yeah. <laughs> God, I hate her commercials so much. They're so bad, especially the one with her dad, where she's like, thanks, dad. And it's like, no, stop. Dad, don't embarrass me in front of my television camera. Uh, 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 I hate those commercials. So, uh, so bad. Um, the one but, that's running constantly now is the one where she's whispering, and then it, it, the camera turns around, it, it turns out she's telling a, a librarian about the deal and the librarian who could have guessed shouts holy moly really loud because she's super stoked on the credit card deal uh and, and gets shushed by everyone because you know it's a library and you're not supposed to be loud oh hilarious god i hate those commercials she's so bad yeah that's... i'm sure she's a lovely human being but she's terrible no. at, at commercials yeah. I, I mean i agree and and she's been good in other things um but Quick, Cap- name one please okay <laughs> uh what was that Diablo Cody movie she was in? Where she was, uh, she was a mom. Wasn't she in Juno? Oh, that's it. That's what I was thinking of. She was okay in Juno. Yeah, yeah. She played to her strengths of, you know, being neurotic and annoying. Gets mm, a little mean, Dan. Um, well, the character, the character. Yeah. I, I also feel bad for Marla Sokoloff, um, who... <laughs> who is there? Yeah. As well. I, I mean, she didn't, she didn't deserve this. Uh, what, what what do I know her from primarily? I, I see a lot of things that I, I didn't really pay attention to, but... I would guess So I Married an Axe Murderer is probably her most noteworthy thing. Who is, who is she in that? Uh, I don't remember, but that's the most noteworthy credit that I see. Huh. She was huh. in there. Um, she was also in Boy Meets World, um, yeah. but as like a character, and yeah. she was in a bunch of other TV shows. Including Fuller House recurring guest Gia Mahan or whatever, based on her appearance in Full House, the original series is Gia Mahan. So good for her. She's got that going. Yeah. yeah. It's on the practice, apparently. Yeah. I didn't watch that show. No. I mean. Oh, wait. She played a character. Oh, she was Joey's sister on Friends. She. Uh, there is nothing about her performance that makes me believe that she would be bad in other roles in this just because she's written so poorly that there's she's just there going like yeah most of the time she yeah. somehow got second fiddle to jennifer garner in this movie yeah and well 
I think it's just like height based, but um, they they solve the thing, and then the uh, the aliens all merge together, and Sean William Scott says morphing is cool, uh, which is a line written for this movie, and then a giant fifty foot tall alien woman appears. Who is yeah the the five aliens turn into one. Giant alien. And the one giant alien doesn't look like any of the other five aliens because this one is a Playboy Playmate model. Uh, I mean, you know, it's an amalgamation of all of the, the different ones, but yeah. Yeah. And uh, she... By the way, you want to you learn a fun fact that I discovered while clicking around here? Uh, not, not that I'm not totally dedicated to this movie, um, but uh, you, you, know the, you know the main head alien in the jumpsuit lady? Mm-hmm. She is married to the lead singer of Buck Cherry. You remember that band? No, I don't. <laughs> it's the it's the uh, kind of redheaded guy with the big mouth who never wears a shirt and has neck tattoos and stuff. Yikes! You know, you know Buck Cherry. They were no around when this movie came out. Oh well, I'm I'm glad she's found happiness in her personal life. Yeah, even if it's with someone whose physical description sounds appalling to me. But um, the. Uh, the, you know this guy. He looks like Dennis Leary on heroin. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of tattoos. But uh, so the giant alien lady pursues them, um, and uh, there is horrible ADR of uh, Charlie O'Connell asking if she spits or swallows, and so she eats Charlie O'Connell <sighs> and says swallows. Um, it which makes is... no sense. The 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 joke is completely ADR'd and crammed in later the timing of the joke doesn't work because they didn't shoot it with enough time between the two lines so you, you almost don't even like recognize what happened and then they moved on it's just they're like oh she's gonna eat charlie o'connell so like what what can we do to make that funnier and and, and they didn't make it funnier no it's really bad um and uh then she pursues them out outdoors and walks over a table where there is a father and son, and the son says, I want to go on that ride, Daddy. And the father says, me too, son, me too. And this is, of course, in reference to the uh, enormous panties they see overhead because they're looking up at the crotch. So, again, this is a garbage movie uh, written by garbage people for garbage audiences. What uh, what do uh, fathers and sons bond over at a putt-putt golf place other than disturbing I'm not even going to finish that sentence. Yeah. So they solve the thing and blast the alien um he says that his finger won't reach the thing but obviously it does they just are doing that for dramatic effect. Uh Yeah, he's got a curly straw that he found in in the secret pocket of his jacket earlier so you know you got Chekhov's curly straw. Yeah. And they blast the alien uh lady and she blows apart into uh cg chunks that fly off into nothingness and somehow her oversized panties fall out of the air onto uh charlie o'connell who's covered in brown sludge um and this is where uh christy leaves him for uh michael bolton from the office and uh the dog pees on charlie o'connell Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because he's been emasculated now by being consumed by a giant alien woman and turn and covered in brown sludge. <sighs> he's he's he is also a bad boyfriend. Yes. 
and the alien guys say that they're going to uh, reverse all of this and erase their memories. And they say, oh, no, that's terrible. Like, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and the because, you know, the girlfriends are finally happy with their boyfriends because they saved the universe and aren't completely horrible. Uh, but the, the everything flashes backwards and they are waking up in the original scene. The guy goes out to pee in the fern and leaves again and they go outside to look for the car. Uh, and Sean, this time Sean William Scott is saying, and then over and over and over again, like the fast food lady. Um, and, uh, to let you know that something has carried forward from the other timeline. Um, and the mail truck is blocking their view of their car, but you can obviously see through the window that is there. Uh, and they do the dude, where's my car thing again, the mail truck dries off and they see the car and they go over to their Renault five, uh, and, uh get the presents for the twins and the twins get uh necklaces um and then they have these other cases uh was bra- was it wasn't it bracelets first oh right it was it was bracelets and then they get the cases with the necklaces bracelets to say i heart you yeah as, which is adorably childish you can't like i are, are we supposed to assume that they're like teenagers in this movie like it wouldn't be it well, wouldn't they're, be they're, a stretch for the, the directors to just sort of like pretend that they're teenagers in this movie. Well, they're living in their own apartment, so I would assume that they're at least college age. Mm. But It's unfortunate. Yeah, uh, as are the twins. Um, and they seem right. like the kind of people who would pursue continuing education, even though that they're <laughs> dating these dips. Um, continuing education, that's nice. Yeah, that's they... But they, they, they get these necklaces, uh, which are in these weird plastic boxes, and there's a hologram card thingy um, that says that uh, they hope that uh, the girlfriends will enjoy the presents as much as they uh, 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 as they will or whatever. And the, the girlfriends put on the necklaces, and then um, air bladders inflate inside of the bras uh, on their shirts and enlarge their, their chest. Um, which is an awful message to send at the end of this film because that's about changing their girlfriends to make them more appealing to the boyfriends, not about the boyfriends uh, changing the way that they behave in order to be better boyfriends to these two completely deserving women. Mm. So well, I think the point is uh, literally no one would be unhappy with uh, augmenting that in particular. Like they, there's really no disadvantage to it according to this movie. I feel like that doesn't send a good message, Dan. <laughs> I think I agree with you. It's 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 just stupid. Yeah. And I'm surprised, honestly, that Jennifer Garner went along with that. And she wasn't like, wait, we're filming what today? <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I guess it's a paycheck. Um, and then they get into the car and they drive off and uh, they repeat the, the tattoo thing um, as they as they disappear. And then there's a bunch of uh, excerpts, a deleted outtakes from the uh the the film that are playing when star particle garbage is happening um mm-hmm. and uh we get the final line of this movie when the credits finish is and then and that's it that's the that's that's the comedy masterpiece that mm-hmm. is dude where's my car on its 18th uh birthday it's it's half as old as i am yeah piece of sh- crap I was just looking here to see if this was Jennifer Garner's first movie. It's not her first, but 
She hadn't done a whole heck of a lot before. She'd done a lot of TV movies and TV shows, but she basically started films in 1997, which looked like small roles. Yeah. Uh, and this is, of course, 2000, so not that many years yeah. later. Uh, it was yeah. before Alias. Right, of course. Uh, I'm sending you uh, an image of uh, the, the Buck Cherry guy just because I saw it and uh, I can't get it out of my brain, so I have to send it to you, too. She's such a thoughtful co-host. Yeah, you know it's it's we it's good to share. Oh God! <laughs> like I said, uh, Dennis Leary and heroin with neck tattoos. Uh, okay, you know that you know them. You've heard their songs. They were on the radio. I much. mean, I don't want to be judgmental, but ugh. <laughs> anyway, pretty, anyway. <laughs> pretty sure yeah. like the first line of their first major hit was about cocaine. Oh, good. Yeah. Anyway, everybody's got to have a hobby. Yeah. Well, now he's got an alien. Uh, and a jumpsuit lady that he's married to. Yeah. Dude, where's <sighs> my car? Yeah. So, uh, where's your, any, where's anything... your car, dude? <laughs> anything else to add, Dan? I, I like when we watch movies like this. I can't help but just think, like, how how did this become a thing? Like, because nowadays this wouldn't even make it past a first pitch meeting because there's not enough substance to it for it to warrant the dollars to put it on the screen even if it was supposedly oh god 13 million dollars still seems like a lot to make this movie um but like obviously you know there are a lot of movies that we just can't or won't ever make again some of those things are you know bittersweet this is not one of those ones this is one where you're like yeah but that's I, I after i watched this i was like is it was the world better off for having this movie made or would it have been better if the movie was not made at all and uh i think it's fine that it was made but like it doesn't need to ever be a thing again and we don't need to like celebrate it really in any way i just i i this whole era like i don't know part of it's probably my personal shame because like the early 2000s were just uh, a cultural embarrassment for the entire world uh, that uh, my generation helped contribute to, and and I regret that. I regret my participation in a lot of it as well. Uh, but uh, it's just it's 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 I don't know it's bad, and I just don't know how it all happened without any sort of like th- there was no adults at the wheel going like maybe no let's yeah. like maybe aim a little bit higher than this and. Uh, and and then we you know we ended up with movies like this and then like road trip i remember liking road trip because again i was a child and an idiot when it came out and i just you know um i don't even want to watch that one again because i'm sure it's incredibly problematic oh my god there's a wikipedia page for the zoltan hand gesture there is there is you see dan while you while you said that you hope that this wouldn't have a lasting influence or legacy it turns out there's a section on the dude where's my car wikipedia page called legacy and it links to the Zoltan, parenthesis, hand gesture, and close parenthesis. Uh, if I read this entire page, is there going to be something about Nazism at some point on here? No, no, no. It, it's just about baseball. Um, you see, apparently in 2012, 2012, emphasis on, on how many years later that is, uh, there, there, there was the use of the Zoltan hand gesture by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, and it gave them good luck and they pursued that and they, I guess still lost or something, but Hal Sparks showed up to a game. Uh, they, they would do it after they hit home runs or a double play. That's <sighs> okay. Mm-hmm. Hal Sparks flew to Pittsburgh, July 25th, throw out a ceremonial first pitch. 
and was on hand to see the Pirates win 3-2 over his hometown team, Chicago Cubs. I mean, can't ask for a better result than beating the Cubs when you got the the head of Zoltan there. Was he was he actually called Zoltan, or was that the name of the cult? Uh, I believe that was his name in the cult. I don't know if that was his name, like, according to his parents who live in the house. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they all had Z names. I don't think that was likely that they all had Z names. I think that was yeah. their cult names. Oh, uh, I came back when the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers signed a Romanian punter named Zoltan. Oh, boy. In, 20, in 2013. Oh, boy. He was probably less stoked about that. Because he's like, why is everyone doing this? He's like, oh, it's from this really stupid movie where the character had your name. I'm like, cool. Thanks. I have to imagine that um, it became popular because somebody remembered the hand gesture, but then uh, didn't explain that to everybody else. It was like, here's a YouTube link to specifically the hand gesture. And they're like, oh, great. Yeah. It's a reference to something. And and then nobody followed through on this being bad. But uh, I like I yeah. like the one line uh, about the the Brazilian, Brazilian jiu-jitsu team who uses the, the, logo, the hand gesture. You, you, no, no additional context. There's the, they have a team called Zenith, and they use the hand gesture. Yeah, before they before they uh, you know choke each other out or whatever. <laughs> not not in a weird way. No, no, just in a, in a very professional way. Yeah, uh, I want, there's a uh, a Brazilian jiu jitsu place that I pass on Santa Monica Santa Monica Boulevard, and uh, it's not Bundy. It might be Barrington, um, and uh, they have a well lit completely glass studio that used to be like a Blick art supplies. Um, and uh, you just see them going to town on each other inside of this thing. And it's just like, what are you guys doing? Like, do you, do you know that you don't need to have like a completely glass storefront to you just sort of hugging each other by the crotch um, for an extended period of time? <laughs> it seems a little strange. I mean, that's kind of the MO with a lot of the karate places, too. Like, the, the whole front is glass, presumably, so when you drive by at 8 or 9 o'clock at night, you can see the fluorescent light lighting up, showing all the people fighting and, you know, learning the the ancient martial arts and ways of self-defense. So you go like, wow, I really wish I was more skilled with uh, you know physical combat and defending myself. Maybe I'll go sign up for, uh, you know, a two-month training session or something and learn how to, you know, wear a gi and, you know, tie a belt and... uh you use my enemy's weight against him and, and throw him around and, you know, put him in an arm bar and have him uh, tap out when he's mm. trying to mug me. USA Today said, any civilization that can produce a movie as this stupid probably deserve to be hit by famine and pestilence. Chicago Tribune said, <laughs> at the end of 83 <laughs> unmerciful minutes, audiences will be exclaiming, dude, I can't believe I sat through that movie. And the New York Post said that it was an almost chuckle-free mess so amateurish and lame that the cast often has the embarrassed look you see on dogs given ridiculous haircuts. <laughs> I like that one. See, so there were adults uh, in existence in 2000. How come nobody listened to them? Uh, I don't know, because high schoolers were paying to go see these movies? Yeah, see, the problem is going to be if we ever talk about Harold and Kumar go to White Castle because I really liked that movie when it came out. I know I know it's incredibly stupid, and I'm sure it's incredibly problematic. Not Before we even get to Guantanamo Bay, which is incredibly xenophobic and racist, uh, but the, the original one I, I enjoyed because I was young and uh, a moron as well, and I just I don't, I don't want to confront how 
bad it was yet. I need oh. some time. I own both this movie and Harold and Kumar go to White Castle on DVD, Dan. Um, mm. So I am I'm in... Sure, I'm sure I do, too. I have Road Trip and White Castle on DVD. I, I was not a Road Trip fanboy, um, Stan. You, you never watched the Tom Green show on MTV? I hated Tom Green. He, I mean, not like on a personal level, but like his his works. Um, uh, his, his works were more of a fascination. You don't watch him and laugh like you would watch and laugh at Jackass for people hurting themselves. You watch Tom Green and you go, what is this guy's deal? Like, why is he literally humping a dead moose on the side of the road? Like, that's not comedy. What are you doing? That was a great sales pitch for me. I mean, but that's, that's, that's what it was like watching it back then. I think the funniest part about his show was he had, like, intermittent segments where he would sit behind, like, a desk, like a talk show, and he had this, like, faux cutout window uh, in the backdrop, and on the other side of this window, he had a friend of his from growing up who would sit there with a coffee mug and giggle at Tom Green's jokes audibly. Like, he wouldn't, he would never speak. He would just sit there with a coffee mug in his hand and giggle at Tom Green's jokes. That was the funniest part of the whole thing. Again, not... Not selling me on Tom Green. I'm not trying to sell you on it, but no, like, but uh, I'm just saying this did not appeal to me. And and, and Freddy Got Fingered trailers did no, not appeal to me. No, no, that movie is uh, an abomination. <laughs> I think I've seen most of it one time. Oh well, I mean, I'm glad that oh, we were able to watch this uh, duteous of movies. Um, you remember when Tom Green was in Charlie's Angels because he was dating Drew Barrymore? that had vacated my mind. Yeah. Remember they, again, this is what I'm trying to say. Like the early two thousands were a cultural, uh, low point for the world. I think, uh, particularly the United States. And, uh, we should all, we should all, you know, go sit in the corner and think about what we did for a little while. Yeah. I, I feel like repentance is in order. It really is. Like I do occasionally like go on these, like, you know, YouTube tears where I go through like an old pop video, which leads me to like 10 other pop videos. And it's like, Wow. What in God's name was going on? How did any of this happen? How come there were no adults going like, no, no, don't do that? Like, do you remember? <sighs> I should save this for the after show. We should wrap this up. Yeah. Um, but before we do, I want to say I remember, uh, hey, now you're an all-stars music video because I just watched it yesterday. Oh, uh, boy. I had completely forgotten that it was a music video tied to Mystery Men. Um a horrible movie. <laughs> but, uh, I did not remember that either. I know one of them was Shrek related, but that was later. Well, yeah, it came afterwards. They used the song in Shrek, but, um, is walking on the sun. The only one that they did like an actual earnest video for maybe I'm not, well, they, they've done a lot of music videos. I don't know which, I, I don't know which of them I would count as famous music videos, but, um, for, for this one for, Hey, now you're an all-star. It's uh, an intro from the interviewing process for applicants for people to join their superhero team, um, and it and it involves uh, all uh, the 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 lead singer guy um, with the the the, the jawline uh, beard thing, the um, man. Yeah, and uh, then he helps rescue uh, a dog out of a burning building and there's bad heat distortion CG stuff. And, uh, he's able to run at super oh, we were speeds. Very bad at heat distortion back then. Yeah. It was not a good, not a good time for heat distortion. Uh, and then he has an enormous motorcycle and then they hop into the limo that gets beat up in the movie. Uh, but they can't do that. So they have the limo that wasn't destroyed. Um, and they, they cut back from the footage of the destroyed limo to the one that's totally fine so that the singer can walk out of it. Um, because that's just the level of people cared about this kind of stuff. Uh, and, uh, 
then they just go to a garage for the rest of the the music video. And uh, there's fisheye lenses uh, that you sing into and make hand movements at. Um, so anyway, they call it the uh, the Buster Rhymes effect. <laughs> well, anyway, what I'd like to say is everything's bad. Um, everything's real bad. Um, we should all feel very ashamed about this stuff. And I feel like sometimes we look back on things and we're like, oh, you kids today, um, you know, you, it, and, and you Oscar hosts today, you say such horrible things. And it's like, oh, look, look at this travesty, this, this mm-hmm. wake of, of disturbing awfulness behind us that we have just I left f- there. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like this is 2000 is right where the badness was really starting to hit its stride. I feel like it peaked. 2001 to 2003 somewhere in there and it didn't it didn't subside for a good you know four or five years maybe 2007 until it actually started to like gain a little bit of self-awareness but yeah this this was peak like throw anything on the screen as long as some dumb kids will laugh at it and uh you know drink some cough syrup before they come see it or something yeah well i mean it was also uh you know white guys writing what they thought was funny with an uninformed singular opinion. Um, and you get kind of the same thing with like, can't hardly wait and stuff like that, where it's like, this is completely the male perspective on this stuff. Like the women are always written horribly. Um, and all, yeah. all the stuff about gender politics is always bananas. Um, has anyone done any, has it been long enough for anyone to do anything pieces on jackass? Because I think that's a huge cultural touchstone that we're going to look back on in a couple of decades and go, holy crap, what the hell happened? How did that happen? Because not only was it a symptom of what was going on, it kind of continued to perpetuate and influence real people uh, for a very long time and uh, in ways that we probably didn't fully realized then uh but yeah that 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 was a thing that i think needs some serious analysis i wouldn't know i didn't watch uh uh the show yeah i was neck deep in all that crap i know you've told me before and i i continually prod you about that but um yeah i mean there's there's, there's a lot there there's a lot there <laughs> there's room for improvement um, but we can we can <laughs> that's the moral of our story yeah we can we can we can add this podcast on that uh yeah yeah do better <sighs> next time and then to you too <laughs> really really the moral is just keep thinking and then Ugh. <laughs> <laughs>